Will you please pray with me? Now, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. morning. So I remember hearing this story uh, a while ago about a uh, a seminary in England, and uh, there were some students there, and one of the students was particularly annoying. He was just one of those people who's a little bit irritating, right, in your life. And some of the other students eventually got fed up with this. And so they, they hatched a plan to get rid of this student. And so one day when he was in the showers, taking a shower, and it was like a communal shower, they managed to get in behind where the pipes were, and they managed to find an open pipe that they could speak into. And so they started to speak in a loud voice, sort of in a very loud, deep voice, saying, go to Africa. Go to Africa. So this student is showering in the shower, and he suddenly hears this voice. Go to Africa. Suddenly the student's thinking, the Lord is speaking to me. It's the clear, audible voice that I've never heard before. I must follow through on this. So the student leaves the shower, he heads out, and eventually he finds his way to the dean and says, I've heard a call from the Lord to go to Africa. It was an audible voice. I must go. Well, the next semester, the other students no longer had a problem with an irritating student. He had followed the Lord's call, supposedly, and gone to Africa. I wonder if you've ever heard the voice of the Lord in such an audible way, <laughs> whether it was a prank or not. I'm not sure. Last week, we're, we're talking, last week, we began a series talking about hearing God speak through his word. And what I talked about was how 95 to 99% of his will for our lives is revealed through his word. So if you're ever wondering, what is God's will for my life? Then you need to be reading his word, spending time in his word, because most of his will is revealed for you within that. And what I talked about was, would we commit to reading it daily? We actually had a, a little gift for you. I don't know if you took one, but if you didn't, there are more on the table outside. Just an outline for a, a quiet time each day. There's a prayer before studying scripture. In fact, it's my favorite prayer uh, that we say th- uh, throughout the year, one of the collects. In fact, we said it today. Blessed Lord, who caused all, all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, and so on. There's some uh, questions to read, and then the Lord's Prayer helpfully split up into different sections so you can pray through the Lord's Prayer each day. But as God's people, we need to commit to reading His Word daily, to meditating on His Word, to savoring His Word, and then, of course, to obeying His Word if we want to know Him and to know His will for our lives. Are you willing to do that? Don't expect to grow as a Christian and to know His will if you're not willing to commit to read God's Word daily. It's amazing how many Christians I meet who just aren't there. They're not willing to do that. And yet God wants us to grow as his disciples. And the primary way we do that is by spending time with him in his word. Today, though, we're going to talk about hearing God's word, God speak through others. Hearing God speak through others. You see, God is speaking, but are we hearing what he's saying? We made this point last week. He's speaking through his word, but he's also speaking through other Christians to us. So let's turn to our scripture sheet for today, and uh, you can find that on the inside of the announcement sheet. And I want to talk about two key ways that God speaks to us through others. The first is through the church triumphant, and the second is through the church militant. And if you don't know what those things mean, don't worry. By the end of the sermon, you will. God speaks through the church triumphant, and he speaks through the church militant. So let's begin with the church triumphant. What is that? Well, these are the Christians who have fought the good fight and they have finished the race, and they are with their Father in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I had heroes, okay? Um, anyone have a hero growing up? Raise a hand if you had a hero. Anyone want to name one of those heroes? 
Your dad. Excellent. Who else? Could be a sports person. I don't know who. Mickey Mantle. Absolutely. Mickey Mantle. Anyone else? Yeah, Mike Schmidt. General Patton. All right? Great figures in history, right? And great sports people and so on. Well, one of my heroes was a sports person. You will have never heard of him. I can 99% guarantee it. His name was Ian Botham. Okay? Now, the reason you might have heard of him was because he played cricket. I wish Barry was here because Barry loved hearing all about cricket in Pakistan. Um, but uh, Ian Botham was a cricketer, and he was one of these, you know, rare guys. It's a bit like a, a baseball player who could pitch and he could hit home runs just like that. He was a guy who could bowl, as we say, and he could bat. And he was the, one of the greatest all-rounders that the world has ever seen. And growing up, he was an incredible hero of mine because I wanted to be a cricket player when I grew up. You can see how that worked out for me. And uh, Ian Botham was fantastic, of course, as a hero in one sense, in the sporting sense. But then as I got older, I came to realize that Ian Botham's personal life was not so great. He was not necessarily the kind of person that you would want your kids to be modeling themselves after. Like a lot of heroes, perhaps, as you get older, you discover that they're pretty flawed people, aren't they? But what about heroes of the faith? I wonder if you have heroes of the faith. And again, it could be your dad. It could be your parents. But what about other people? I wonder if you have a hero of the faith such as St. Augustine. Maybe he's just one of those guys. You love to read St. Augustine, okay? Or maybe it's Martin Luther. You just, you want to read Martin Luther. You want to be in his commentaries. Maybe it's John Calvin. Maybe John Wesley. Maybe it's William Wilberforce, or perhaps it's Hudson Taylor, that great missionary to China. Maybe it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I love to quote. Maybe C.S. Lewis, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. Maybe one of those people, or maybe you can think of someone else, Oswald Chambers, perhaps. These are evangelists, they're theologians, they're missionaries, they're martyrs, they're agents of social change in the world. Well, one who stands out for me is the lesser-known Charles Simeon. Simeon was an Anglican priest in England, in Cambridge, back in the late 18th, early 19th century. I just want to read you a little bit about his life so you can come to understand why he might be a hero. This is something that I read uh, the other day. Though he became a model for many figures like John Stott, another hero of mine, Charles Simeon started his life in Cambridge as anything but a model. In 1779, the young Simeon from an aristocratic family came to King's College, Cambridge to study, and he was told that he must attend chapel on Easter Day to receive communion. Simeon's main interest to this point had been horses, games, and fashion. He considered that Satan himself was as fit to attend the sacrament as I. Still, he sought hard to see how he might sort out his conscience. He began to read the scriptures and various devotional books. And as he read about propitiatory sacrifice in the Old Testament, he thought, what, may I transfer all my guilt to another? Has God provided an offering for me that I may lie my sins on his head? He immediately laid his sins upon the sacred head of Jesus. And on the Wednesday of Holy Week, he wrote, he began a hope of mercy. On the Thursday, that hope increased. On the Friday and Saturday, it became more strong. And on the Sunday morning, Easter day, April 4th, I woke early with these words upon my heart and lips. Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Simeon went on to be ordained. And after a short stint at St. Edward's, Cambridge, at age 23, he was appointed vicar of Holy Trinity Church. Now, the parish had wanted another minister. And this fact, combined with Simeon's evangelical preaching, quickly alienated them. They locked their rented pews against him. 
And those who came to hear Simeon were forced to stand in the aisles. When Simeon battled with discouragement and at one point wrote out his resignation, or at one point he did, when I was an object of much contempt and derision in the university, he later wrote, I strolled forth one day, buffeted and afflicted, with my little testament in my hand. The first text which caught my eye was this. They found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Well, slowly the pews began to open up and fill, not primarily with townspeople, but with students. Then Simeon did what was unthinkable at the time. He introduced an evening service. He invited students to his home on Sundays and Friday evening for conversation parties to teach them how to preach. And by the time he died, it is estimated that one-third of all the Anglican ministers in England had sat under his teaching at one time or another. Simeon, an untiring activist, also helped found evangelistic organizations like the London uh, Jews Society, the Religious Tract Society, and the British and Foreign Bible Society. He was also one of the founders of the Church Missionary Society, and he inspired dozens of young men from his church to take the gospel to the far corners of the world. You know, Simeon's impact is still felt to this day, and I actually was inspired to read his autobiography. You can read it too. It's by a guy called um, Hopkins. You can only buy it um, used uh, these days on Amazon, but it's well worth the read because Simeon has inspired the Anglican Church, not just in England, but throughout the world as well, and has brought about probably the conversion of thousands and thousands of Christians in the world too. You know, the Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 4. We just read it. Philippians 4, chapter 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These heroes of the faith lived commendable lives, lives worthy to dwell upon, lives worthy of studying, lives worthy of knowing about and even emulating. And their teachings live on, and you can access most of these for free on the internet or, of course, in books on Amazon and beyond. Friends, spend time with the church triumphant. They might be in heaven with their father now, but these people are people that we can still seek to emulate here on earth because of what they have left behind. Secondly, God speaks through the church militant. If you're wondering what those are, it sounds a little bit um, uh, like military, doesn't it? But these are the Christians who just surround us still. So look around you. We are the church militant, okay? And not just us. It's the church throughout the world as well. People that you know. People I sat next to church in a couple of weeks ago in Pakistan. They're a part of the church militants as well. It's just the church that is here on earth right now. And uh, they're sitting next to you. They're in your life groups. They're parents. They're grandparents. They're neighbors. They're writers. They're musicians. They're artists, etc., etc. And some will surprise us even if we know them. They'll surprise us with their insight. We may not expect what they have to say. For example, you take the case of our Old Testament reading today. God speaks to Eli, doesn't he, through a boy. Remember the story of Samuel? He's this child who really wasn't supposed to be born. His mother Hannah couldn't have children. She was barren, and yet she went to the temple and prayed, and the Lord blessed her with a son. And she was so grateful for this that she dedicated her son's life to service in the temple. And so Samuel is a boy right here, and he's um, just really young. And yet he has this incredible dream, doesn't he, where the Lord speaks to him three times. 
And the words he gives Eli are not good news. They're not good news because Eli's sons are going to face judgment for having spoken against the Lord. And yet Eli listens and he hears God speaking because he's willing to listen, even just through a young boy. It reminds me of a time when I spoke to one of our children. You know, sometimes you see these Facebook posts, don't you? And you kind of get a little bit jealous about what people are posting about their kids. I think that's part of the goal of Facebook, right? To make people jealous about their kids. And uh, I'd seen this post about someone whose kid had been so spiritual. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know. Is that really true that this three or four-year-old can be so spiritual? And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to ask my child a question. And this child was about two or three at the time. I thought, you know, I'm going to ask them a similar thing to what this person had gone through. And I said, you know, does God ever speak to you? So I turned to my child and say this. And, and right away, the child says, yes, he does. Okay, interesting. And what does God say to you? Well, he tells me he loves me. And that was it. End of conversation. But God spoke to me through that as he spoke to this child of mine through that as well. God speaking all the time. And you know what God says to me most of all when I hear him speak? He tells me he loves me. It was a great affirmation that when God speaks, that's what he's saying. And you know, and some will be less surprising even if it's unexpected. For example, in our gospel reading today, did you catch that, the story of Simeon? Simeon was this man who was righteous and devout, and he was filled with the Spirit. So you might expect God to speak through him, and he does. And yet he's speaking with strangers right here. He's speaking to Mary and Joseph, people that he's not met. But they are willing to hear what God has to say. And they're amazed, aren't they? And he says these incredible words. He's been waiting all his life to meet the Messiah. And finally, he knows that he's there. And he takes him in his arms and he blesses God. And he says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It must have been this incredible confirmation for Mary and Joseph. You know, it's probably been a year or so since they've heard uh, God speak through angels to them, and perhaps it's starting to dim, and they might be thinking, was that really real? And they go to the temple, and this man confirms exactly what the angels were saying, that this child has been born to them, is going to be the savior of the universe. He's going to be the one who dies for his people. He's going to conquer sin and death. And salvation is going to come through him to not just the people of Israel, but to the whole world, the Gentiles, as he says. What an encouraging word. You know, I was reminded of Simeon at the funeral I was at this week. I led the funeral of Fred Reeson, who many of you know, worshipped here for many years. And I was reminded of it because we said these very words at the very end of the service. You say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, etc., etc. It's a famous passage called the Nunc Dimittis. Churches have been saying it for thousands of years. And you know, as God used Simeon to speak to others, so he used Fred. Tripp, uh, who you may have met, he's been worshiping here a little bit with Fred and Paddy recently. Tripp got up and gave his eulogy, which was the third of three incredible eulogies about Fred's life. And uh, at the end of his eulogy, he wanted to share a letter. And it was a letter of how God had been, or how God used Fred to speak to another because this person was willing to hear. I just want to read this letter for you. I got permission from Tripp, who got permission from the person who wrote the letter. I've removed the names, but I want to read this to you. It says this, Dear Fred, can you believe that we've been living at St. Thomas Point for over 23 years? 
We moved in in February 1996, and you and Paddy in March. We became friends right away. I learned how to fish, shrimp, and crab right off your dock with Paddy as my teacher. She could cast a shrimp net like a pro, and soon I could too. One Sunday morning, she and I were heading to your dock. You were walking out of your house, looking fine, all dressed for church. And I felt a little guilty. So, as my defense, I said, Fred, I guess you think I should be going to church instead of playing. Your immediate response stunned me. You said, I go to church because I need it more than you do. Hope you have fun. I did have a good time, but your words resonated with me. It had been decades since I was willing to consider joining a church, and I realized I needed it as well. When I got home, I relayed your words to my husband, and we decided it was time to start looking for our church. As you know, we joined All Saints, and I'm still a member. So thank you. We shared many a good meal at your dinner table. A lot of food came in from that dock. I got to meet all of your family, but it was your relationship with your brother-in-law that I found hard to believe. I watched you break bread with him and help him find jobs. You spoke to him as an equal as your brother in Christ. Never in my life have I seen such a lesson in forgiveness. Bless you and thank you. As I got to know you a little more, I would watch you get up extra early one day a week and head into Mount Pleasant for your prayer group week after week, month after month, and year after year. I wanted to know more. You explained that you had made a Casio retreat weekend and were encouraged to join a prayer group. You met with the same group of men, men every week to share your faith and reinforce your studies. I found out that All Saints offered the same weekend but called it Via de Cristo or Way of Christ. Because of your influence, my husband and I attended that retreat and our lives were transformed. Our hearts were opened. Christ became our brother rather than some abstract figure that we prayed to when all else failed. Our marriage changed as well as all of our relationships. Again, I say thank you. Over the years, you have prayed for my children during times of crisis. You prayed for my husband during his final journey, and you have prayed for me. During those times, my faith was questionable at best. I was unable to pray and doubted whether prayer made any difference. You said my prayer for me when I was unable or unwilling to pray. Thank you. Pastor Matt refers to these times as the dark nights of the soul. It's hard to define, but you definitely know when you are there. This may be that time for you. I want you to know that I have been and will continue to pray for you. Your dear brother in Christ have had, you, dear brother in Christ, have had such a tremendous impact on my life. God loves you, my brother, and so do I. Isn't that powerful? God spoke to this woman through Fred because he was willing to be used by God to be spoken through. Not in any hugely demonstrable way, right? but he was willing to be faithful to lead the life that God had called him to. He, he dwelt in God's word each day as well. He savored it, he meditated on it, and then he obeyed it. And because of that, God was able to speak through this man. I wonder if you're willing to be used in this way. You know, there's a cost to it, isn't there? It's a cost. You hear that, the whole getting up early, oh, dark 30, <laughs> every Tuesday morning and going in. I mean, that's just a small part of the cost. But there's a cost to being someone who's able to be used by God in this way? And are you willing to hear what God will say to you through others? Are you too proud to do that? You don't want to hear what people have to say. Perhaps he might ask you to change. Again, I would say, spend time with the saints, the church triumphant and the church militant. As we close, I just want to ask a couple of questions. 
First one, what are you reading and or listening to or watching? What are you reading and or listening to or watching? Besides the Bible, of course, after last week's sermon, you're reading that every day, right? Yes. Woo! Let it be noted for the online sermon that everyone put their hands up. Uh, (laughs) You know, I was thinking about... um, what books are you reading, perhaps? I know the praise team are reading a book together right now, right? The Liturgy of the Ordinary. They're doing it as a discipline to come to know uh, God more, and to hear God speak. Perhaps you should take up that book. Ask Stan or Glenn or any of those guys over there about that book. I hear it's been pretty powerful for them, The Liturgy of the Ordinary. What about your life group? What are you reading together? Reading a book together? Reading the Bible together? Do you keep a good Christian book on your nightstand or on your Kindle now, I guess, would be the thing, right? Are you always reading some kind of book? I try to have a book always on the go that's teaching me uh, by one of the saints. What about podcasts? Do you listen to good Christian teachers? Many of you probably have a lot of drive time. Perhaps you drive downtown. I was meeting with someone this week. He was asking me about what are some good podcasts I could listen to. And there are plenty of those too, and I can share those with you. What about music? Are you hearing God speak through music? You know, we hear it each week with the praise team, which is fantastic. But you can hear it throughout the week too. I was struck when I was in Pakistan. We do, we do a lot of driving when we're in Pakistan. It's pretty uncomfortable as you're driving across Karachi. It's this city of 22 million people, right? Can you fathom? So it's like driving across London a couple of times. So you spend a lot of hours in the car, stop, go, stop, go. And eventually, you know, you kind of run out of things to talk about. And so one day I decided that I was going to grab the front seat. I was going to be shotgun DJ for the journey. Uh, they'd rented a car for us when we were there because it was going to be a little bit more comfortable. And the car actually had Bluetooth. So I synced up my phone and started to play just Christian worship music as we're driving around Karachi in the middle of this 99% Muslim uh, country. We've got the windows up, <laughs> right? Uh, but we're singing songs about Jesus. And it was this awesome moment. And then this one song came in in particular. And Mushtaq and I, Mushtaq was driving, Bishop Mushtaq, you've met him, most of you. And I was sat next to him. And it was this song called um, God of This City. It's a song by an Irish band called Blue Tree, and Chris Tomlin's made it famous here. And the words are this, um, let me, uh, here you go. You're the God of the city. You're the king of this people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in the darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. And there's me and there's Mushtaq. And we're in Karachi with 22 million Muslims all around us. And we're singing, yeah, he's the God of the city. It's not Allah. It's, it's the God that we worship. It's the one true God of this city. And Mushtaq leaned over and he said, yeah. he'd never heard the song, but he was singing. He said, I love this song. This is a great song. This is about our city. And then what about TV and movies? You know, it's hard to find good TV and movies to watch, perhaps, when it comes to hearing the saints, Right? There are ways you can watch things online and so on. But, you know, often I find that when I watch or listen to good TV and movies, it can actually inspire me. And I can hear God speak even through the voice of people perhaps who aren't even trying to be God's voice. See, God can speak through all of these things. And the second thing is this. Who are you allowing to shape and mold you? You know, what I should have said is this. You should have found this, some of you, at the end of your uh, rows right there. It's a booklet we put together called Hearing God, Reading Resource. I know reading's not very popular these days with a lot of people, but it is so worthwhile. Trust me, if you want to grow, start reading. And there are tons of great books by the saints to read in here. So I encourage you to take one home. If you didn't get one, that's fine. We've got more on the desk there. There's a bunch of different books. 
and it, covering all kinds of different topics. So make sure you take one home with you and then get online and buy one of these books or go down to Barnes & Noble. You'll find most of them there. Second question is this. Who are you allowing to shape and mold you? I was at Rotary a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm a member there, the Dangalan Club. And uh, one of the guys was giving what we call a Rotary classification talk where they talk about their life. They share with you a bit about their life, their business, their family, et cetera, et cetera. And he said this interesting quote that I'd never heard before. He said he was trying to surround himself with p certain people because he said, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. He said, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Now, I'm not sure that's really true or not, but it made sense to me, this idea of the people that we surround ourselves with are the people we will become like, right? They're the people we will emulate. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Whether they're alive or whether they're dead, people that you're reading, if you get my, if you get my drift, okay? Whether dead or alive. Who are you allowing to speak into your life, whether through their writings, their teachings, or their biographies, etc., or just by the fact that you're in a life group with them? or you just meet with them one-on-one -on -one for coffee every so often? Who are you allowing to shape and mold you? You see, God is speaking through his people, dead and alive, but are you listening? Why don't we pray? And I want to pray using the words of the Collect for All Saints Day. This is a Collect that we pray every year uh, around All Saints Day, which is November 1st. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those inexpressible joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen.